One, two, three. The following audio exclusive is the full uncut discussion from our episode, Trans Lives Depend on Owning Our Stories. Trans liberation has become the latest front line in the struggle for civil rights, a hinge issue it intersects with every racial, gender, and class reckoning of our time. The ways trans people are represented speaks volumes about our culture and shapes all of us in complex ways. Trans liberation, in turn, just may help to make all of us more free. But to move forward, we have to understand where we've come from. In their new film, Disclosure, Sam Fader, Amy Shoulder, and Laverne Cox use over a century's worth of film to show how anxieties about trans identities have always shown up in our culture. Hollywood, past and present, has had a lot of power to shape not just attitudes, but how we feel and act, and generations of trans people's lives. With that history as a background, Disclosure explores what's next for trans liberation and what a culture with trans voices at the center might look like and feel like. And the makers of Disclosure aren't just sitting back and hoping, they're actively using their powerful documentary as a tool for social change. Disclosure won the GLAAD, Gay Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, Media Award for Outstanding Documentary this year, and has been nominated for a Peabody for its compelling and empowering story. With me to discuss the film and what they're up to are actress, activist, executive producer Laverne Cox, director Sam Fader, and producer Amy Shoulder. For those in our audience who have yet to catch Disclosure, it's streaming on Netflix, here's a trailer. Check it out. Do you know that feeling when you're sitting in a movie theater and everyone's laughing at something and you just don't get it? Can't find a better man. I hate everyone else in the world but you. I never thought I'd live in a world where trans people would be celebrated on or off the screen. Thank you, thank you so much for this moment. I never thought the media would stop asking horrible questions. How do you hide your peanuts? (laughs) And start treating us with respect. You kept it quiet because you said you didn't want to become othered. Now, look how far we've come. We have so much more representation in government, in media. We are everywhere. And you never know what those positive images do for other people. You never know. For the first time, trans people are taking center of their own storytelling. At this point, where we're talking really about unprecedented trans visibility. That's my sister! Look at me! Trans people are being murdered disproportionately still. That's the paradox of our representation is the more we are seen, the more we are violated the more positive representation there is, the more confidence the community gains, which then puts us in more danger. I go into the women's restroom, then I've committed a crime. If I go in the men's restroom, then everybody knows. I think all of us in the community have had those moments of being like, is this going to somehow alienate people who aren't ready yet? Why is it? that trans issues have become like a front and center issue in the culture wars. I think capitalizing on people's fear is what has landed us in this moment right now. And you have hope on one side and fear 
on the other. I think for a very long time, the ways in which trans people have been represented on screen have suggested that we're not real, have suggested that we're mentally ill, that we don't exist. And yet, here I am. Yet here we are. And we've always been here. Coming out of the trailer, coming to you, Laverne, uh, there is a notable appearance by Oprah Winfrey in that trailer. Uh, and in your film, she makes a few appearances. She made an appearance in um, my Twitter feed uh, the other day, mentioning the film. Tell us what was notable about that. It was wonderful to, to see that tweet. I, I'm a huge uh, admirer of Oprah Winfrey. She's one of my idols. She um, just recently did an interview with Elliot Page, his first um, televised interview since he's come out as trans. And apparently Elliot told Oprah and her team that they should watch Disclosure before the interview. And she did. And she said lovely things about how she learned things that she didn't know and, and how important the film was for her in terms of giving her new understanding of, of the subject, which is so amazing because anyone who's a huge fan of Oprah knows that Oprah's been interviewing trans people for 20 years. And that, um, those interviews, they've been troubled. And it's not, and it's not to diss Oprah because I would never do that because <laughs> I love her so much. It is just that representation for many, many years, as disclosure um, shows, um, of trans people had a certain level of um, discourse that objectified us, reduced us to our bodies and ultimately dehumanized us. And so what is so exciting about disclosure, about Oprah's evolution here and the impact the film is having is that folks are understanding that history. And so now we can begin to write um, a better history, a, a more humanized history um, for trans folks in America and hopefully globally. Well, I'm a Amy, I'm, I'm guessing that's why you got into this project. Um, it is changing lives. It has the capacity to change lives. Um, and that's been your business since I first knew you as an editor of feminist and culture forward books. Why this film now for you? and Why a film? Thank you. And thank you for having us. I have spent my career in book publishing, raising and lifting the voices of, of marginalized people and people whose stories have not been, been centralized. And that's been my calling. And in particular, LGBTQ folks and our stories. I met Sam when he was screening, when he was premiering his last film about Kate Bornstein. Um, Kate Bornstein is a queer and pleasant danger, a beautiful film about a beautiful person who happens also to be one of my authors and dear friends. And, and when I learned about Sam's next project that he was, he was just starting the research for, I understood immediately how important um, this work is to tell this history, to center trans stories, to center trans people, and that Sam would be such a, a smart person to, to lead in this project. So uh, it happened organically. And when a year and a half later, we met Laverne and she became involved in our project, it, it seemed Oh, it's such a great story. Um, Sam, tell that story. How did Laverne get involved in all this? And it seems like a, an example of why you should attend conferences and speak at them. You know, when I started making the film, everyone that I talked to about it was like, oh, you, Laverne Cox should be in this film. She, she, she would be so excited about it. You know, maybe she'd want to help you make it. And that's just like, I'm not that kind of person that's going to reach out and ask someone, you know, of Laverne's 
caliber, you know, of her celebrity, of her, you know, of her notoriety. And that's just not my style. And so I was like, yeah, that sounds great, but there's no way that's ever going to happen. Um, but I always, I did wish that we would interview her and I, we have enough friends in common that I thought that would maybe be possible that I at least get to ask her if we could interview her. So that was sort of the background of, you know, the years leading up to it. And then um, I was invited to do, to present some of the initial research I had done at uh, Outfest Film Festival out here in LA in July of 2017. They, they dedicate a day or two to what they call the Trans Summit, where they focus on trans storytellers and trans issues. And they invited me to give a 20 minute presentation. So I talked for about 10 of those minutes and showed a 10 minute clip reel of some of my research. And while I was talking, um, I looked up towards Amy, she was in the audience uh, and sitting right in front of Amy was this beautiful blonde with sunglasses on, <laughs> reflective sunglasses, <laughs> and I a hoodie, like trying to be, <laughs> trying to be subtle. <laughs> but, and so immediately I knew it was her. And I also immediately knew I probably just mentioned her in, in what I had been talking about. But what I was taken by was she was so engaged, right? She's nodding along and she's so engaged. I look over at Amy and Amy's like, <laughs> Amy couldn't see because Laverne was sitting right in front of her very tall <laughs> Laverne what were you thinking so random I woke up that Saturday and I'd been in Los Angeles for a year and was just missing community I was just missing trans folks and the community I built in New York and I was on social media and saw that Angelica Ross and Jen Richards were on this panel at Outfest and it was literally like 11 15 in the morning and it was starting at noon so I jumped out of bed didn't put any makeup on. Maybe I showered. I don't know. I got dressed and got into a lift and went. And the second I walked in, I saw Nick Adams from GLAAD. And he said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Um, this guy is produ- um, presenting this research. It's like the transcellular closet. And I was just like, wow, that sounds really cool. And so I, I was super excited. And then so it just was so random, but it really feels um, shared. It feels that it was meant yeah. for me to be there that day that the universe like said something to me, girl, get up and go. And um, the research was just so impactful. And I just, I couldn't even believe it. There was footage from like 1903 right. and 1915 and in silent films. And so I was just blown away by it. And um, we talked after the presentation and then we met a week later and, and here we are. Yeah, well, it, it's so powerful. And I want to just commend all of you because even though there's some really cringeworthy and stomach-turning, horrendous, um, phobic appearances and, and statements by people, and there are some people who deserve a lot of hate, like D.W. Griffith of B- Birth of a Nation, who it turns out was also obsessed with uh, trans identities, footage that you dig up from the early days of film. Um, you don't actually demonize every anybody. It's kind of like you just said around Oprah, uh, Laverne, uh, that some of these people you love and hate them, and the idea of the film is for social change. To, to, to recap a little bit about the title of the film, it didn't really occur to me until the very, well, towards the end, what disclosure referred to. Uh, before there was disclosure, there was lack of disclosure, namely stealth. Sandra Caldwell talks about that in this clip. Do you know what it's like to go on a set and be afraid? Your head is trying desperately to stay in the scene. You wake up afraid. You go to sleep afraid. You're trying to figure out if somebody's going to drop the bomb that day, the next day. When is it going to happen? So you're just afraid 
all the time. You got so much on the outside. We'll just see how much you got on the inside. But anyway, I did what I have to do. It was called survival. It was called survival. I'm all right. I will survive. I would never think for a moment that I was the only one. And you want to go and you want to say, girl, ain't we something? But nah, you just left it alone. I wish I could have. Man, wouldn't that have been good? Coming back, it was important to all of you that the film didn't just depict trans people differently, but was made as much as possible by trans people. Can you talk about what that involved? Maybe Sam, Laverne, Sam, start with you. Yeah, thank you. That's something I think we're all like really proud of, you know, and um, we knew it was just as important to have trans people behind the scenes as it was in front of the camera. I mean, everyone we interview is trans, but I think it, it, there's really not enough understanding of how every decision that's made behind the camera influences the story just as much as what is said in front of the camera, right? How it's lit, how you're framing somebody, um, like how you're talking to people, right? Who they're looking at when they're sitting in between takes. This all informs what you're gonna shoot, what you're gonna capture and what the film is gonna be. And so it was deeply important that though, that, that was trans people that were gonna be in that space. Um, also, I mean, trans people are disproportionately underemployed, right? I think it's three times the national average, four times if you're a trans person of color. Um, and, you know, also being a trans person, whether by choice or circumstance, you just don't have as many opportunities, right? You either just don't feel safe or you're just not given them. So we prioritized hiring trans people on this set. And when we couldn't hire a trans person for a specific role, the non-trans person we hired uh, mentored a trans person. So we had about a dozen trans fellows, um, mentees, and who have gone on to do incredible work, which just is so, yeah. so meaningful um, and so validating. And you know, as much as we've been asked to, to go to, to do Q and A's on our film, we've also been invited to uh, development, inclusion and equity trainings to talk about our hiring practice because people are understanding that this is the way we move forward. Like it's not mm -hmm. about unpaid internships or, you know, the, the ideal of working your way up. Like we actually have to mentor people and pay them as we mentor them to really level the playing field, to really give people the opportunities to do the work that they want to do. Yeah. Uh, coming to you, Laverne, on that question and more, there's the film and then there's all the work that's happening around the film. I mean, you are as much actress as activist. I don't know whether you put one before the other, but um, boy, you do a lot of the of both. Um, on the activism side, how are you using the film and what impact is it having so far, as far as you can see? I mean, so much of it, you know, I've been thinking a lot, um, doing, doing some research on various things and I was, and, we know that when we dehumanize people, then we can discriminate against them because we don't think of them as human. And so much of the, the work um, for trans liberation is to see us as human. Right now, in this moment, um, during this legislative session, there have been an unprecedented number of anti-trans bills targeting transgender children yeah. um, in sports and, um, and those children having access to gender affirming healthcare. And a lot of the ways in which these lawmakers are able to pass these laws is because of misinformation about who transgender people are. And so we've been very excited that um, lawyers from the ACLU are using the um, film to educate um, folks about our, our issues and the circumstances and how they've come to know and understand who trans people are, that judges, that lawyers, that um, 
organizations, that people in Hollywood are watching it so that they can better tell trans stories. A key part of our liberation is for us to be seen as human. And it is so devastating that in 2021, we still have to fight to be seen as human um, so that we can have rights. And so that is, that, is, that is the work. And we're very excited about all the different aspects of how um, we're able to use the film in, in this way. It's a very big we. I mean, you interviewed 30 trans people for the film, as I understand it. Um, and in that 30, I mean, you probably could have interviewed, you know, 300 and there would have been 300 different stories. Were the things that you learned, Laverne, in doing this as you listened to your fellow interviewees talk in different ways about race and gender and class and the way all these things line up differently, um, well, differently in each instance? Well, every trans person has a different experience of something. And even as a black transgender woman, I have blind spots. All of the, you know, I, I watched all the films, you know, um, um, what is it, the Florida Enchantment and um, is, that, is that the name of it? Just, my brain is not working. And all of these films and um, Judith of Bethulia and Yancey and Tiek Milan had very, and um, Brian um, had very different takes on it, on those films as black folks, right? That I, things that I missed and didn't quite see and understand. And so it reminded me of my own blind spots when it come, came to different things. Susan Stryker was such an incredible resource. Um, everything that she said about Judith Bethulia was so interesting and exciting and I didn't know before. And there were things that I learned- That's the D.W. Um, Griffith film, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There were things I learned that did, you know, during having lunch with Susan that day, I had never heard of Polly Murray. Um, before um, sitting down with Susan during lunch break on that day. So there were just things I learned off camera that didn't make into the film. So there's just always a lot to learn. And I think that is very, very exciting and it's very humbling. And I think we all should be humbled, even if we think, you know, you know our history, that there's so much to learn. I want to thank you, especially for the film having such a fair and, and equal representation of trans men in, in the discussion and, and a big discussion about how, you know, misogyny plays out in all of this as well. Um, you, Amy, former editor of the Feminist Press, uh, were the things that you learned? Um, I was very struck, actually, by Yancey Ford when he talks about some sort of women empowerment narratives, whether you're talking Yentl or others. Um, being dressed up in horrible trans man narratives that were only disempowering to him. Right, wasn't that fascinating? You know, just in in making the film and in, in our fundraising, in our in you know, this was my first producing credit. So when I joined Sam many years ago to start our research and development process, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm gonna surround myself with my feminist friends and my progressive filmmaker friends. And it surprised me how many folks were kind of unaware of trans issues or unaware of how as feminists and as progressives, you know, these are our issues. And it was hard to confront that fact. Um, and it surprised me when I was describing our process and felt so proud of how we were going to prioritize hiring trans folks um, behind the camera. And it was surprising how many people would pull me aside and say, oh, you know, let's get the best people. You don't want to, you know, set a hard and fast rule like that. 
and people have come back to me and said, you know, you were right. And I was, I, I missed it. I didn't understand that, that you did get the best people, that you did hire the people who were going to be able to create the environment you needed to have the kind of intimacy and the kind of impact um, that those interviews have throughout the It's interesting. I was lucky enough to interview Heather McGee recently about her book, The Sum of Us. And although she doesn't talk about any of this, she does talk about zero-sum thinking and how our culture has taught us that something that's given to some other group is going to be taken away from you. Um, and I think that your film speaks to how the heck can we get beyond this? Can we get beyond this? And why is it so deeply embedded in our culture? And Sam, coming to you on that, you know, it just really made me think, especially going back to those um, black, grainy black and white movies. It's like, really? At that moment, they were fascinated and obviously obsessed with these questions of trans identity at that moment where so much else was also in flux around race and gender and North and South and good and bad and bosses and workers. Um, why does it go so deep, our obsession with the binary? Did you, did you get smarter about that, Sam? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think seeing that footage was it was validating in a weird way, right? It was, it was frustrating, but it was also validating to know that we've always been a site of fascination, right? That, and, that, and therefore we're clearly part of the culture. And just to also, you know, so often marginalized people are told they're being too sensitive, right? That what they're experiencing isn't real. Like, it's just a joke, right? You know, have a sense of humor. But then when you start to see the data, right? And how deep in the culture it is, um, there's proof. And, you know, it's, we shouldn't have to prove that our feelings are real, right? That our experiences are real, but here's some proof of how deep this, this, this phobia goes. Um, and it also just, you know, the, it's this idea of if you transgress what's thought of as normal, right? If you're transgressing a gender expectation, if you're transgressing a race expectation, or you're transgressing a hierarchy expectation, right? And so it's just all about keeping those in power in their safe place. And it's, it's no accident, it's very obvious. And, you know, those who perpetuate it possibly don't know what they don't know, right? Don't exactly understand what they're doing. It might be seen, it might come from this like weird survival like place, right? When you feel threatened, how do you secure your place? Um, so it's, it's quite fascinating as well as devastating. And so exhausting. I mean, to be policing ourselves constantly in these little boxes to make sure that we don't get out of them. Um, Laverne, I, I have to say, I came to this interview kind of wanting to, well, thank you and your fellows in this film for your service. It's like, my God, what, what you have gone through. Um, not to dwell there, but to talk about what is possible on the other side of that, which you also represent. Um, talk to us about what your vision, we talk about a, tip, a tipping point and you have that cover from Time Magazine, the transgender tipping point, culture is shifting. What's your vision of what's on the other side of this uh, tip? <laughs> the, <laughs> healing, healing and love and, and acceptance and, um, everyone's humanity is on the other side, but it's, it's, it's this thing. I had a beautiful conversation on my um, podcast, the Laverne Cox show with um, Brene Brown. Uh, actually, we had the conversation first in her podcast, Unlocking Us. And she said, and she's always, I'm a huge fan of hers. And she said for years that when we deny our stories, those stories define us. When we deny something, 
uh, our story, it defines us. But when we can own our stories, we can write a brave new ending. And for a very long time, we've been in denial about the story of trans folks in, in, in America and globally in cinema. And now that we have the information the disclosure has given us, we can begin to write a brave new ending if we own the mm. story. And so there's so many elements that is always intersectional, right? In the United States, we have yet to own the story of racial oppression in the United States. And there's, it's harrowing to me to see how many folks who have mainstream platforms are in full on denial that um, uh, racism is systemic, that white supremacy is a thing right now. They are going on television saying that this, this is a thing that does not exist. And so there is a, there's this desire to be in denial. And that denial, that um, secret keeping um, does not allow us to own the story so we cannot write a brave new ending. So, the, so for me on the other side, first we have to tell the truth and we have to own the truth and we have to own the story and then we can begin to heal together. And that is an intersectional um, process. It's about, a, a, it's a feminist project. It is a racial justice project. It is, um, it is interdisciplinary, it's a class, certainly it's a, um, a class equity um, project. So on the other side is, um, is a certain kind of equity, love, humanity, but it can only happen when we own the story and um, together collectively begin to write a different ending. Sam, do you want to weigh in on that? I mean, what, what more can you say? You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful way to think about going forward. And I, like my thoughts are, are really just kind of in parallel in the sense that the antidote to negativity is not positivity. Like the antidote to negativity is nuance, you know, and complication and messiness and, but like really having a three-dimensional understanding of people's lives. And I'm not interested in a world where we're all the same, where I'm just like you and you're just like me. I'm not interested in a world where trans people are just part of the binary. I like being trans, you know? I like the fact that I've had to really interrogate my place in the world and understand how I can move in this, in this seemingly static understanding. And I've had to find a way of making it really mutable and, and, how, and, and I like what it has done when I have to understand how people are looking at me as frustrating as it is. But like, you know, I think the depth of introspection trans people have to do um, really is, is, you know, gives us a, a bit of a superpower in, in a lot of ways. Like, really, you know, and I don't want to live in a world without gender. You know, there's a lot of talk about gender is over. And I think that's fine for people who want that. But I don't want that. Like, I think gender is beautiful and expansive and fun. And so, you know, and when I say it out loud, it sounds so idealistic. Like, I just want us to be able to be how we are without having to face the violence. Right. But I think that maybe that's the next step, right? We have to do what Laverne is saying is we have to, we have to heal and we have to write a new ending. And then maybe we can live in this world where you know, we can be all these things that we are in the privacy and our safety and our communities. And we can be in that in the rest of the world too. Sam, we have to be able to imagine it though. We have to first be able to imagine it, to visualize it, and then we can make it, have it come into fruition. So it's actually absolutely beautiful that you have that vision because we have to be able to imagine it first because for so many people, they can't even imagine it. And if we can imagine it, then we can begin to create it maybe in small pockets. And then folks can be like, well, what's going on over there? Come on in, it's great, it's gorgeous, it's awesome. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? What's so though, right? We have our small pockets, right? We have our queer yeah. space and then capitalism comes and commodifies it. <laughs> So yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, so Laverne, how do you negotiate that miss of the podcast, of the movies? 
<laughs> the capitalist part of it. it <laughs> the contradictions in, in being um, sort of being a capitalist, I guess, and being working for multiple national corporations um, while trying to do this work and maintain authenticity. We're in contradiction all the time. You know, we it is a very conflicting kind of space to be in. And it's like there's there's that, you know, folks talk about an inside game and an outside game. And I think at this point I'm maybe doing some sort of inside game. But I it was it's not lost on me how difficult and challenging it was to sell disclosure yeah. though. That a year ago we were sort of, you know, a year ago this time we weren't quite sure, you know, if we would even be able to sell this film, if people would see it. And then Netflix came along, you know, at just the right time for very specific reasons. And we were able to have that, that incredible platform, but it is still very difficult as I go out into the world and pitch trans themed shows. It's still very hard to sell um, shows about transgender people. Um, Amy, even as we're, Amy uh, um, you're nodding, you're nodding. Will, will, the, will the Peabody and the Emmy that you're definitely gonna get um, change things? Well, being nominated for Peabody has changed my uh, perspective uh, that was thrilling, um, and we're honored. Um, we're we're hoping for an Emmy nomination. We actually um, have not. There are not um, Emmy nominations yet, but but we're we're hoping for one. I think these awards, you know, getting on awards lists um, is important because this is a the first documentary that's been made by and about trans people um, for consideration. And I think awards for better and for worse give credibility. Um, and in this case would give credibility yeah. to a community by elevating you know, the issues that are crucial. Um, that's why I think you know, we care so much about these awards uh, right now because the community is just, um, it's so under fire and I think but going back to your question too about you know trans liberation and what's the dream? I mean, I think for me it you know it it's a hinge in a way for it it should be a hinge for justice for all. It it you know this culture is obsessed with the binary of all kinds. You know whether it's the binary of gender or race or you know who's rich and who's poor and who has and who hasn't. And I think you know, this idea of crossing the binary and of making that um, just something to get beyond as a concept, as an ideology, um, you know, that's, you know, that's the freedom, I think, that would, would change, would change lives and, and make a difference and make us all feel, feel easier for you. I love it. You're speaking my language. I, I have to, um, as you use the word free, just to bring us back down to where we are right now, um, remind us, myself, to remind you to tell our audience how you're using the film with judges. I don't think that got mentioned yet, but I heard wind that you were using it with judges to influence them in sentencing and in cases. Who wants to address that? Sam? Sure, yeah. Last summer, a group of California judges um, approached us and asked if they could use clips of the film to help educate each other around the biases they might have towards trans people that come into their courtroom. And, you know, those were, that's a kind of an example of the work that we dreamed about from the beginning, right? Like, how can this film 
really be a tool to directly affect people's lives. And, and that's evidence of it. So that was incredibly meaningful. Well, I think that was a gorgeous way to end, but I do want to give you a chance to address anything that you didn't address so far. And um, we often end this program by asking people um, what is the source of their belief that sort of systemic big change can happen. Um, not just that you think it might, but you have either seen it or you've met someone or you've, you know someone um, or you witnessed something happen that gave you the belief that this kind of hinge change can take place. I mean, you're giving us a lot of such examples really in, in the people in the film, but is there one that stands out as you do this work and the work you're gonna go on to do, Sam? That's such a great question, you know, and it makes me just think about the way we approach disclosure, right? And this idea, which is really rooted in, in an abolitionist belief, right? That crime and punishment is not the answer, right? That it's about holding multiple truths at once. It's about being critical and holding people accountable, but doing it with love and context, right? And, and it's about second chances. And, you know, I think disclosure, we were so committed. You said early on that we didn't demonize anybody. And that was a huge commitment of ours. That was not our goal to, to demonize people and, and toss them out. Like we really, we want to create a platform as a tool, right? So it's like the way that we show that like Oprah evolves, right? You know, and that she came around and publicly, you know, holds the film. And that, I mean, that was incredible, you know, and, and she did an interview a couple of days later with with Nick Adams and, and referred to herself as the, the poster child of what not to do, right? <laughs> I mean, this is, she's an incredibly, I obviously don't have to tell you all this, but she's an incredibly influential, powerful woman, you know? So to do these, to say these kind of things, that's, that gives me some hope, right? That, that, you know, I mean, I already knew she had changed, but we don't know why people change. We don't know what kind of pressures or expectations or what makes people change, but, but to see, you know, that you can criticize someone um, and they will take accountability. Um, and I think it's, it, that gives me hope, right. That like, mm -hmm. that when you do it with an intention of, of, I think there's also an intention of expectation. Like we know you can do better, right. Like yeah. there's that. And I think it's, you, 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 you don't know what you don't know. And I, I just really believe in, in creating that space of, okay, we, we messed up now here's an opportunity to do better. And, and that gives mm -hmm. me hope. Amy, what about you? What's the evidence you draw on? Oh, God, Laura, you know, I came out of the AIDS epidemic. That's when I was coming up as a as a adult and as a professional in the arts and and was so devastated to see my community, you know, disappear um, one, you know, person I loved after the next. Um, but we, you know, as as community did our best to fight for our existence and our rights. And, um, and some of us survived and, and uh, that strength and sense of, well, if you're really focused and if you care about one another and you're not dependent on biological family and you're not dependent on social structures that already exist, that you can actually change the course of what's happening um, there were a lot of missteps then and, and AIDS is not over. So 
um, I'm continually learning from coming up from that experience and now going through a second pandemic um, uh, is, is I, I'm try to be mindful of, mm. of that, but I, you know, I, I think that informs everything I do. As June Jordan, who you also edited once said, some of us did not die. And, and the key is what do we do with that being here? Um, Laverne, you proof of life post tipping point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say that I, Im, implicit bias um, is is a thing. It's actually real. There's a lot of um, folks out there suggesting that like someone can't be racist or transphobic without knowing that they are. Mm-hmm. That we internal and I think disclosure is really evidence of that. That they, we've been acculturated and sort of um, indoctrinated um, through media um, that has created a lot of implicit bias that we should just be aware of. And I it's always for me about love. And I think the evidence for me is my own life. The evidence is for me is my own life. I, and when I had a speaking engagement last week and they were reading my bio and they were saying the first trans person to be on the cover of this magazine or be nominated for this or you know, have a wax figure at Madame Tussauds and all the things. And I was sort of what, what, what hit me that time hearing that bio was that before me, these things had not happened. And these things were happening in 2014 and 2015 and 16. And so what is sad about that is that they had not happened before me, you know? And then that they are now happening and that I'm not the last. Um, my, my friend MJ Rodriguez is just on the cover, a solo cover of Entertainment Weekly. It's her second cover, but it's her first solo cover. Trans people have been on the covers of magazines and now another trans person has been nominated for an acting Emmy. and and they're, they're, I'm not the last. And so for me, that gives me a tremendous amount of hope. Is it enough that one or two of us or three or four of us have been elevated and are doing well? It's no, that is not enough. That is not um, social change. That is not the uh, revolution that we need, but it gives me a tremendous amount of hope, my own story. And um, yeah. All of that being said, you have a wax statue at Madame Tussauds? <laughs> I, I I do, and the one the the Manitoussos in San Francisco, the community voted and said who they asked who should have a wax figure, and it's 2015, I believe, and they said Laverne, and they came and measured me and did all the things, <laughs> wow. and I asked no, them really if they could. Take it. I asked them if they could make me thinner, and they said no, no, no. Um, you ha- we, when you stand next to the wax figure, it has to look like you, and um, by the time the uh, figure was revealed, I had lost a little weight, so. <laughs> Wow, Liver, talk about bearing the lead. (laughs) Really? Why didn't we start there? Someone's going to have to go out and get some footage. I want to thank all of you for being with us. This has been a great conversation. Thank you. This was really great. Looking forward to seeing. Well, thank you again for doing the show. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Thank you. Appreciate that. Bye, Matt. Bye, Liver. Bye, guys.